Hey, hey, hey. What's up, fam? It's Tuesdays with Tawana. Yes, Tawana, a.k.a. Rev T, is in the building on this Tuesday. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be a part of community. Grateful to receive some energy and some love and to have some real conversations Um, some deep conversations, some loving conversations, healing conversations, whatever it is that you bring to the table, we are ready to rock. We are ready to embark. We are ready to delve in and build community one broadcast at a time. So for those of you who who are joining us for the first time, welcome. If you are listening to this as a podcast later on, Know that this is recorded on Facebook Live, so you hear me shouting some people out and um, inserting their comments into the narrative. I'm not talking to myself and making people up. These people are engaging with me every Tuesday. So if you're listening to this later as a podcast, you'll understand our flow. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for engaging. I definitely appreciate it so, so much. Um, So for today, hey, Tony, I am so glad you are here. Hey, Mother Carolyn. So let's uh, just center ourselves for a moment and, and take a deep breath. There's a lot going on individually and collectively in our spaces. So definitely want to honor that and acknowledge that and hold space for you. Hey, Jules. Yeah, I heard y'all got hit pretty hard in Denver. Yeah, y'all are sharing the pictures and I don't miss it. I miss the little snowfall that like goes away the next day because we're so close to the sun. And this right here, y'all be safe. Y'all take care of you. Be safe. I hope you are well. Jewel, sending so much love your way. I just want to open up with, you know, one of the things or one of the moments and experiences that inspired this moment is Tony and her husband, Reggie. We've prayed for them on this line. We've prayed that um, he he was uh, waiting for a heart transplant. He got the heart transplant. I watch her live videos. Well, I catch them later um, um, as a recording, but he is doing very well. And um, hey, brother, good to see you, Larry. Hey, Bobby. Yes, it's been a minute. So good to have you back. So one of the things that inspired me uh, because of their story and Tanisha always lifting up her village to pray for the family and also to pray for the donor family because there is joy in the Alexander household. And then there, I'm, I'm guessing, some sort of sadness and sorrow in the donor family household. Hey, Mama Lovey, yes, fired up and ready to go here in snowy Denver. Well, let's go, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Um, Ah, and Tony just shared some more good news that he is scheduled, her husband, Reggie, let me say his name, Reggie is scheduled to come home tomorrow. So we praise God for healing. We praise God for donors. Uh, we pray, praise God that someone 
um, will be able to live on through the life of others because of their generosity and sacrifice. So when joy and sadness is in the same place, um, we're, we're dealing with a, a pandemic right now. We're dealing with uh, racial issues that have been longstanding, longstanding. And because of, you know, social media and things of that nature, things are more exposed now. Hey, Lorima, my beautiful sister, thank you for joining. Yes, mama, praise God for healing for sure. Um, so we're dealing with with racial challenges and all this that's going on. And where do we find some semblance of joy so that all of this sorrow or sadness is not weighing us down? Hey, my beautiful niece, Tammy, good, always good to see you. Um, so that the sadness is not weighing us down. And then when we look at joy in the midst of this sadness, sometimes some of us may feel this sense of survivor guilt right? Like, you know, I'm here, they're not. I'm healthy, they're not. And, and, it, and it brings on, like, should I be joyous when someone else is going through? And, and I'm here to tell you that both can happen together, right? We're in a both and mode, which is totally antithetical to uh, white dominant thought or individualistic thought or uh, white privileged thought. It's all about me. Um, and, and we keep naming that because we, are, we, are, we want to dismantle that mode of thinking and bring together this both and, to bring together a sense of community with both sides healing from layers of trauma, Black people healing from layers of trauma, of heinous um, activity that this world, this land has brought us, and healing from those who have benefited from this trauma and who wants to heal and dismantle the current systems. So there is this 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 survivor guilt, if you will. Um, I'll give you uh, an, another example. Um, hey, DG, good to see you. Oh, I love you, Lindsay. We lifted you up. I think it was last week or the week before. You are just wonderful. Thank you for all that you do for the community. You have a beautiful heart and I'm so grateful to know you and to have you in, in my world. Um, I'll give you another example of this survivor guilt, right? Um, so that, um, th there was a, a moment where a friend of mine was challenged with raising money to go to school. Now, most of you know, I'm still raising money. I haven't been actively, out there raising money like I should or could, but it is what it is. Um, but this particular person opted not to ask because of so much going on in the world, because people are hungry, because people are unhoused, because people are going through. And there is always going to be someone that is going through something. And just for the record, I can't stand the, the saying or whatever it is, um, you know, you should feel whatever kind of way because somebody else is doing worse off than you. I can't celebrate that. That's not community. Um, celebrating somebody else's challenges and, and, and because I'm not going through that challenge. 
but this particular student opted not to. That was kind of her form of survivor guilt. Like, nah, there are people out there who are hungry. I opted to go to school. I volunteered to go to school. And because I don't have the money, that is on me. But community is too complex for that. Our black community is too complex for that. We can come together and and do what we need to do to meet the needs of our beloveds, whether it's school, whether it's a meal, whether it's paying rent, all of those things can be met in community. See, when we start thinking individual, we start feeling guilty. Or we start, you know, we're angry at the system and angry at all the wrong people, and then we take it out on them. Um, Because if we don't reconcile that anger, then hurt people hurt people, right? So we got to reconcile and heal that and let people know that they are seen, that they are loved, that they are beloved, that we got them, we got their back, whether it's going through life challenging situations or something that will add value to your life. Both can come together in a beautiful way where no one is feeling this this survivor guilt. And and I go through that quite often. Let me not even front. Like, you know, I got the formula, I got it all together. Nah, because I have HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer. I will be in active treatment until further notice every three weeks. And I am up I have my, this morning, it was so hard for me to get out of the bed. I struggled. There are some struggles that go on. And, um, but I'm here, you know, I'm able to take care of myself or cook for myself or shower. Those moments um, that I, I took for granted at one time because I wasn't able to do those things. And there are people out there who are dealing with the healing process that is very, um, daunting and very um, life-threatening, that they can't do what I do. They, they can't function the way I function because of their illness looks different than mine. Um, their, their challenges look different. They may go through more pain. And the survivor's guilt for me is, well, you know, why is it that they can't have the same opportunities and same access. But then if we go down that rabbit hole, there's somebody else who's doing even better than me, (laughs) right? So if we keep comparing, comparing is of the devil because we are all uniquely and divinely created. Hey, Daryl, good to see you, honey. Um, there, there, there There are different levels to this. There are different ways to to think about this. And if we bring it together and not compare each other, then we will begin to see the beauty in our own lives. We'll be able to appreciate the sunrise. We will be able to appreciate the healing that's before us. We'll be able to appreciate the community that's rallying for us for those who don't have access. We'll begin to appreciate those like Lindsay on the front lines fighting for the unjust death of our black and brown beloveds will begin to see the community and the healing. And no matter what we are going through, because we are together supporting one another, when I do it individually, I start to compare and contrast that either or thinking, that thinking that I am better than, or I am more equipped, or God loves me more. I remember 
when um when I was first diagnosed and sometimes people just don't know what to say, right? I, I didn't know what to say. I had to learn. I had to learn from Mother Carolyn and Mama Lovey and learn from my sissy Tammy Denise and learn from DG and learn from those survivors and their resilience um in, on this journey. I had to learn from them. But during in the beginning, people would say to me, you know, oh, you are going to be fine. God has more work for you to do. And and my thought or my response was like, mm, so are you saying that my mommy and daddy wasn't loved by God or didn't have any more work to do? That is our simplistic way of explaining things away and making ourselves feel good. The person that's talking to me, make them feel good because they have said something that they thought was of substance. They said something that they thought was helpful. But if we remove the pretense, if we remove the 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 sayings that we're so accustomed to hearing and, and engaging in and remove that and just speak from here and just say, I love you and I'm journeying with you. What do you need? Do you need someone to go with you to the doctor? Do you need someone to be on the phone with you and listen in and be that second set of hit? Hey, elder, what's up, my friend? Um, do, do, do you need, do we have to have the answers? So it's very individualistic um, to think that we have the answers. It's very, um, this supremacist thought that I am supreme and I have the answer and what I say is the do all be all end all when my presence speaks more power than any words that I could say. So joy and, and, and sorrow or sadness can coexist and it coexists in community because we are um, reciprocating these feelings, right? If someone is feeling sadness, I'm bringing them joy. If I'm feeling them sadness, they're bringing me joy. And how they bring joy is through the ministry of presence, through just sending me some love and light, through giving me a hug when we were able to hug before the coronavirus, through sending a text message, through sending a meal, whatever it is, sometimes your words, your in intentions of your word are good, but the impact is hurtful. Let's see what some folk has to say. Um, Tanisha said, just love um, me while practicing the ministry of the hush. <laughs> ministry of the hush <laughs> in the absence of answers. Yes, just love and hush. And unfortunately, sister, uh, people don't know how to do that because it takes a level of loving self in order for us to hush and love someone else and just be present. Because if I don't think that I am good enough, what makes me think that I'm good enough for somebody else? So that's when people don't know what to say and don't know how to respond because they don't know how to heal themselves. They don't know how to speak to themselves. They don't know how to invoke spirit and energy to themselves. Christina says, when we, um, when we know we don't have the answers, the best thing to do is simply be present. We can do more damage by trying to give answers that we don't have and answers only God truly has. Absolutely being comfortable with sitting in the unknown and being present and loving self so that you can love others. So joy and sadness happens in community. Uh, there were so many times where if I were with beloveds and, and I was going through and the tears were flowing and then someone would 
make a joke and we would all laugh and cry at the same time. It wasn't inappropriate. It was, it is what it is, right? And we were able to laugh in that moment or, you know, again, going back to um, Tanisha and, and her husband, there is this level of joy and sadness that's happening at the same time, this joy um, of getting a heart and, and living and the sadness of the donor family. But both can coexist because there's finding the joy in the midst of that sadness. I'm not saying we ignore our feelings because our feelings are valid. Wherever they're coming from, whatever we have learned, whatever we have been accustomed to, to doing and saying and feeling, the, the feelings are valid. Now, are there other ways that we can deal with our feelings? Absolutely. Like if I'm angry, it, it, it wouldn't be right if I just smack you in the face. <laughs> it would make me feel good. But, <laughs> but so what do I do with that anger and how do I reconcile that without causing harm to someone else. That was a horrible example, but it is what it is. Sometimes you just feel like, you know, just the ministry of hush, Tanisha. (laughs) And then there, Tanisha says, and then there's how many people we watch die as they awaited the heart. And the people uh, can't get on the list because they've had COVID (sighs) recently, my God. All the layers, right? Y'all see all these layers? Christina said, yes, even lamenting is a good way to get get our feelings out. Through our lamenting, we can find joy, strength, and remembrance of who is in control. Um, (laughs) Lindsay. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's really finding this 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 medium, this equilibrium, if you will. It's not really a balance, right? I learned this from Simone Ross. Um, we were at a, a function and we were speaking and, and we were talking to some, uh, a group of, of Black, uh, I believe it was women entrepreneurs, it was years ago. And we, we t- someone asked a question about like work-life balance or something like that. And, and she said, well, I don't consider my my life in this balance. You know, everything doesn't have these equal parts. And I'm paraphrasing because I could barely remember what I did yesterday, let alone what happened years ago. But um, she said it's not necessarily this balance, like a balance of scales. But sometimes this requires more attention, which then this will be on hold until I can then give this some more attention. And so it's not an even division. It's something that is this ebb and flow. It just kind of, you know, rises up and and may submerge. So there's different things that we do where we have to prioritize and, and really come to terms with our feelings and prioritize those feelings and know those feelings and embrace those feelings. And then think about what do I have to do or what must I do or what can I do or what may I do to then put me on the road to healing so that I have some peace and some joy in the midst of these chaotic times. But that takes a lot of work. And because it takes a lot of work, it takes community. It takes community to do this. We can't do it any other way, but in the midst of community. Let me shift just a little bit on another example um, in knowing, right? Knowing and being. We have to know thyself 
and and show up and be unapologetically, right? Um, so years ago, when we when Soul to Soul Sisters first started uh, facing racism, uh, we would go into spaces and into congregations or into um, organized um, business or whatever. We would go into their space, right? Um, yes, Christina, that's the key community. Um, so at, at one congregation, we, we finished the, the series of facing racism. We, it's a series of, of sessions and an older black gentleman, um, approached me after the, the session was over the series of session. This was the last session and he had tears just coming down, streaming down his face And he said to me, thank you to you and to Dawn for creating this space because for 70 something years, I have been living with something that I could not put my finger on and could not explain it. Something that continued to hurt me to my core. And here in this session, I've learned what that was. So he started naming terms that we go through microaggressions and race and racism and white privilege and white supremacy and white dominant thought and all of that he's been dealing with for 70 something years, all of that he did not have a name for. If you can't name it, how can we fix it, beloveds? If we can't face it and name it, how can we fix it? So a part of our healing is naming the ills of the past and being able to reconcile um, now and to dig deep into to healing. So there is something for us to learn as, as black people, people of color, the black diaspora, there is a lot for us to learn um, in the midst of anti-black racism work. Why do I say anti-black racism work? Because anti-racism is very broad, right? It's, it's very broad, it's very complex, it exists, it happens. And as a black woman, I can only speak for my black experience. I can only speak to my black womanhood. I can only speak to that which I know. And it honors the other people as well. Why would I speak for my indigenous First Nation community when they are just as beautiful and brilliant and can create programs like this to insert themselves into a narrative that has silenced them. So there is a way when we attend, you know, some people say, oh, I'm sick of anti-racism, sick of anti-Black racism. But, you know, surprisingly, your healing might come from those moments. Your healing might come from being able to acknowledge microaggressions at work. Your, your healing may come from um, acknowledging what it is to be dismissed at work, at home, at church or congregation. 
So there is something to be learned from anti-Black racism work. And in that learning, it ties back to community. It ties back to this healing in community where we have these hard conversations, but we don't have these hard conversations for naught. We have these hard conversations in order to face it, to fix it, in order to acknowledge it so the proper healing practices can happen. Because I'm not going to treat a broken leg the same way I would treat a cut on my arm. I'm I'm not going to treat a cold the same way I would treat the flu. (laughs) But what I am going to do is get to the root of it and get to the cause because all of these symptoms there is a root cause to this. So I have to learn about the symptoms to backtrack to what the root cause is and then be able to find my healing in community. Understanding that people did not choose to live in poverty. Understanding that people did not choose to be unhoused. Understanding that these were designs to keep us marginalized and oppressed and hungry and with you know lack of 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 things the basic maslow's hierarchy of needs right when you don't have that how can you function at this level when the foundation is shaky so we got to shore up and firm up our foundation as community so that we can heal from all of the past ills learn from our ancestors Go back and fetch what they did and their resilience and their resistance, knowing that we can do it. Knowing that we can do it. So encouraging our Black beloveds. And and when I talk about centering our Black beloveds, I say this often during our, our broadcast and our time together. Just because I'm centering Black lives and Black experiences and Black women does not mean that I am degrading or demeaning uh, Black men. It doesn't mean that I'm degrading or demeaning our First Nation Indigenous people or people of color. I can only speak to what I know and my experience. And show love to all. Through all of this, show my love to to all um, so that they can then watch and learn or I can watch and learn from them. Um, One of the other things I want to leave you with uh, you know, sometimes going back to sometimes we don't know what to say or how to say it or when to say it. Someone was questioned at work about a, a person doing a presentation. She selected this person and this person agreed to do this presentation at a, a university or whatever. And the the chair or whomever said, well, I'm not quite comfortable about having this person there. Um, so, so the person called me, the, the, the woman that asked, um, and, and she was struggling with the, the trauma and the triggers that that caused. And, and my response to her was sometimes we don't know what to say in those moments because there are so many things swirling around. If I push back, will I lose my job? Will I, will my contract be extended? Will I you know, continue to be doubted as a black woman every time I walk into this space and make a decision. And um, I use my example, um, you know, during the uh, 
Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah, I loved her question. Were you silent or were you silenced? D and a T. Were you silent or were you silenced? So in this particular uh, situation, it was a little bit of both. Um, She was silent, not just to regroup, not knowing what to say in the moment. And she was silenced because her superior, her boss, her whatever you want to call it, um, was was quite, you know, pushing back and not trusting the work of this black woman, woman and what she decided to do. So this is where community comes into play once again. Not everybody is going to be, you know, brazen and coming up in the place and being like, this is my idea. You're going to take it and that's it. That might be a way. <laughs> you may not have a job afterward, but it might be a way. Or you don't need that job if it's not honoring your humanity and honoring who you are and who you be and how you show up in the world. But in community, we can learn how to respond to these things when we are um, silenced. And when we are silent because we don't know what to say and we don't know how to respond to a given given situation because the corporation, the world, these policies, policing, all of that is not on our side. It wasn't built for us. It wasn't built to give us what we needed to survive and to thrive. Things were taken from us from the beginning, from the inception of this country. And now I have to explain myself in the workplace. Now I have to explain myself in a religious institution, or I have to sit back and be quiet because women can't, it's a whole litany of things. The stuff that we have to go through, we should not have to go through it alone. Let us build community. So we build a love language that far surpasses what this nation has done to us and come together and continue to fight for the Elijah McLeans of this world to continue to fight. Uh, Tamir Rice's mom is pissed off because of what is happening and how she, you know, had some negative um, engagement with whether it's lawyers, police officers, activists, so on and so forth. And she has every right. Sister, we give you permission Beloved, as someone whose son, 12-year-old son, was killed playing in the park like 12-year-olds do. Or Elijah, who was just being his beautiful, loving self. We come together in community and build a language that'll have them saying, hmm? Did they just pass this bill on us? Did they just elect this person? Did they just flip the script on us where we no longer have power and control? That's the place where we need to, or we could get to, we could, as a community, as a loving community, as a resilient community. Yes, she's in a lot of pain. A lot of pain. So let's hold space as we close out this broadcast. 
for black people of the diaspora to learn to love themselves with unconditional positive regard and know that the DNA that runs through their veins is powerful, it's magical, it's mystical, it's beautiful, it's brilliant. Knowing that we can exhibit both and, we can experience both and, and it doesn't take away one from another, that we can experience these things in community and being in community means calling people in on their stuff and sometimes calling people out. Because we're not called just to rock with everybody just for the sake of rocking with them. We just because you are my skin folk. And you know, we've talked about this in the past. I don't like throwing people away, but I damn sure ain't gonna sit here and not and be silent about your indiscretions or your disrespect or your demeaning behavior. (laughs) So when we come together in community and we air that out, we put it in the atmosphere so that energy and community can then foster what is needed, can be attracted to us, right? So if it's healing that we need, we'll receive it. If it's strength that we need, we'll receive it. If it's resilience that we need, we'll receive it. If it's just the mere language and words that we need, we will receive it. So let us hold space. Let us remember our ancestors. Let us hold space for our children, hold space for those mothers and fathers who lost their loved ones due to heinous police violence or violence in the street. Let us remember the unhoused in these uh, challenging weather conditions, especially in Denver and beyond. Let us remember who we are as we show up in this world as beautiful people who has experienced a heinous past, a challenging presence, but looking forward to a beautiful future. I love y'all. Thank y'all for rocking with me. Thank y'all for coming through on Tuesdays with Tawana. I look forward to seeing you on next week. This is what we do to build community one broadcast at a time. I love y'all. Peace out. Be safe. Be well. Take care of you. Take care of you and breathe, beloved. Breathe. Ashe.